Life Audio. The How to Study the Bible podcast is brought to you by BibleStudyTools.com and is part of the Life Audio Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith affirming podcasts, visit LifeAudio.com. Forgiveness does not mean restoration of a relationship. If someone hurts you repeatedly over and over again, it does not mean that you should put yourself in a place to be hurt again and again. But what God does call us to is forgiveness. God calls us to forgiveness because it is good for our souls. Because when we are not forgiven, we are bound up. And when we are bound up, we are not receiving the mercy of God for ourselves. We're not receiving the love of God for our deep debt. Hey everyone, welcome back to How to Study the Bible. We are in a series on the parables of Jesus. And I think especially when we go into this series as we've been exploring perhaps some uh, familiar texts that you've read before, one of the things that's really interesting and helpful to me about going to the parables is that we're really looking at what Jesus is calling out as the greatest work of our humanity, the greatest opportunities, the places where our character is shaped. Jesus is really explaining to us through stories what is valued in the kingdom of God. And today we're going to look at the value that Jesus places on forgiveness. And we see this in a couple of different places. So we're going to start over in uh, the Gospel of Luke because we've been staying kind of there. But I'm going to actually cross into another parable as well because I think It's really interesting how Jesus wants to make sure that we get this message over and over again. And here's the thing about Scripture. When we hear a message over and over again, that usually means that it's a place that we're going to need continual growth throughout our entire lives, that we're not going to master this thing, but that this is an area and an aspect of our humanity where we're going to need the grace of Jesus to interrupt and intersect our own experiences, and particularly in the area of forgiveness, because we are talking about places of hurt places where we have experienced wrongdoing, where we have done wrong, where there has been wounds that have come in to our relationships, because we're talking about that stuff, the stuff that we carry so heavily. Um, If you've been and walked with anyone, if you yourself have walked through any relational strife or brokenness, you know that it absolutely can define a season in life. It can define our whole life. It can be a place where we experience really great discouragement and even maybe cynicism about life and hope and, and love. And so because of that, I think that's one of the reasons why Jesus has a lot to say about forgiveness and the way that we engage forgiveness. And he does it creatively. He does it through telling stories. He tries to come in the side door of our experience where we can experience a parable. And like we said in week one, we have to decide that we're willing to hear it. And so as we go into this parable, what I want to invite you to do is to ask God to give you ears to hear to ask God to give you eyes to see the way that God is inviting you into something deeper, something more in your own relationship. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 7, if you want to join me there, starting in verse 36. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. 
This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country, and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited her saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. So let's just stop there for a minute, because one of the things I really like about this story is that I think it makes us all uncomfortable right away. Like it just, it feels uncomfortable when you imagine this happening. If you imagine being at dinner with some friends, first of all, when we're interrupted, when we're in our comfortable zone, when we're with friends, it already is a little bit disconcerting, right? And the way that this interruption is happening is is quite uncomfortable for our modern ears, right? To imagine a woman who is now standing near Jesus, who's wetting his feet with her tears, who's wiping his feet with her hair. That just, it feels like a lot, right? And then she pours perfume on his feet. I mean, it's this very demonstrative outpouring of admiration and worship. And like, I like this because it's helpful, because I think all of us can probably relate to the Pharisee saying to himself, does he know what he's doing? Like, not only is this uncomfortable demonstrative display of affection and really worship happening, but it's happening with a woman who had, quote, lived a sinful life. I invite you to imagine this scene playing out. And my guess is, if you're listening to this podcast, if you're a person who is studying the Word, if you're sort of serious about your relationship with Jesus enough to be listening to this podcast, then you probably can get that feeling that the Pharisee had when he was like, does he, does he know what he's doing? Does he know who's touching him? And I don't know if you can feel the condemnation, the self-righteousness in that idea of like, hey, there's a way to live in this world, and this is not the way. And so in verse 40, Jesus answers him, Simon, I have something to tell you. 
Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. And then the story goes on and Jesus talks about how, listen, Simon, when this woman came to me, like I came in your house, you didn't give me water for my feet. She wet my feet with her tears. You didn't give me a kiss, but she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she's poured perfume on my feet. Her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. And so Jesus uses a living picture, an example of life that he's living, but he also goes outside of the moment he's in, right? He doesn't just admonish Simon straight away. He gives Simon an opportunity to enter into a story where Simon is not the main character. And then Jesus turns the story and makes Simon the main character. He says, hey, I told you a story about someone who owed a lot and somebody who owed a little. And who do you think loved more? Now, what Jesus isn't saying is that Simon doesn't have a lot to be forgiven from. But what we know in the story is it appears that Simon has weighed out the sin of himself and the sinful woman as, and has found her wanting. And Jesus actually makes his parable tell a twist that says, actually, it's her great love that shows how much she has received great forgiveness. Now, there are some of us listening who perhaps have been through difficult things in our life, who have strayed far from God. And I've met folks like this who who, who have strayed so far from God in their life or who, who met God later in their life that they, they retain this joy and uh, gratitude for the generosity of God's forgiveness. But I have to say it's it's far less Christians than you would think. In my experience, it's far less of us who stay living in this like abundant joy about how deeply we've been forgiven, who have this generous outpouring of love to Christ and to the world because we understand how deeply we've been forgiven. And this, my friends, seems to be a very important part of our human experience because Jesus tells story after story where he wants us to understand this idea. So before we go through the Alive Method, I want to take us over to Matthew chapter 18, and I'm going to tell you another parable. This one, Jesus is in a similar situation where forgiveness is being brought up, but this time it's Peter, his own disciple, who's asking him how often we should forgive other people. And in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, Peter says, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Now, Peter's kind of catching on to this idea that forgiveness is at the heart of Jesus's teaching because it would have been unknown from the Old Testament, particularly in the book of Amos, it talks about forgiveness three times, but a fourth time you don't forgive. So there's this idea of a limited amount of forgiveness. Peter seems to be catching on to the idea that Jesus is teaching a new covenant, a new way in forgiveness. And so he asks, he sort of ups the ante. He doesn't stop at three or even four. He goes up to seven a nice divine number, and says, should I forgive seven times? And in verse 22, Jesus answers, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. And then he tells a story. And he says, the kingdom of heaven, this is verse 23, is like a king who wants to settle accounts with his servants. 
And so he begins the settlement. And a man who owed him, in this translation, it says 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. A man who owed 10,000 bags of gold. I read another commentator who said this is the equivalent of the national debt. Imagine owing the national debt. And since he was unable to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. This would be a normal act of justice. This servant owed that much to this very wealthy king. And this wealthy king appears on the scene. It's not, it's not clear that it, it, he maybe was sudden. This is sort of a, the, the tone of this parable is like in, in a sudden act, the king was like, I'm going to settle my accounts. And this servant had done something to get him so deeply in debt that justice would be that he is sold so he can repay his debt. And in verse 26, it says the servant fell on his knees before him and said, be patient with me and I will pay back everything. Now, catch the humor in this parable. There is absolutely no way that this man would be able to pay back 10,000 bags of gold in his lifetime. Yet his reaction to his debt is to try to pay it back, to try to be on equal terms, right? I'm going to be able to do something to pay it back. And then in another sudden twist, the servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. So the servant asked to be able to pay it back. And the generosity of the wealthy landowner, the generosity of the king was to actually cancel the debt. And then we have another twist. The servant goes out and he finds one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver, silver coins. Not a huge amount, not a small amount, but a medium-sized amount. Still on the very small side compared to 10,000 bags of gold. And he grabs him and he begins to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demands. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. Now this servant would have actually been able to pay this back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown in prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. And the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't, and by the way, the servant did not even beg him to. The servant actually begged to pay it back. Out of his generosity, he canceled all the debt. And he said, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? Goes on in verse 35. It says, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. So we have two parables telling one important story about our experience with forgiveness. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org study. 
Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What do we do over here? The first thing we have to ask is, what does it say? We, we break down the parable. There's so much that we could look at here, but I think we've kind of called out some of those main pieces, right? In both stories, we have two characters, one who owes a little and one who owes a lot. And in both stories, we have a merciful king who is willing to relieve the debt, right? And in both stories, we have a different approach, a different way of receiving that forgiveness that's happening. In the first story from Luke chapter 7, we know that Jesus points out, if you feel like you need to be forgiven little, you will love little. And in the second story in Matthew Matthew chapter 18, Jesus lays out the irony of the idea that we would owe so much to a king and be forgiven, and then how could we possibly turn around and enact justice for small debts? And so when we ask the question, what does this mean? What does this mean for us? We want to be able to understand, okay, what's the principle at play here? That's the same principle then when the story was first told as it is for us today. And if we look for what that principle is, if I could propose an idea for you, there's often many principles, especially within a parable like this. But if I was going to name what the main idea is, I think we're going to see that forgiveness for us and to us is not optional in the kingdom of God, and that our relationship to forgiveness will be in direct proportion to our ability to love. And if we were to ask ourselves, okay, is that what we hear here? I think this is a thing that Jesus was bringing forward all the time, particularly bringing it forward to those who may have a blind spot about their own debt about their own sin, about their own deep need for forgiveness. And as you see in this story, it's Jesus's disciple who doesn't understand the depths of forgiveness. And it's the same disciple that we know later in the Gospels will betray Jesus, will leave him at his arrest, will deny him. And that same disciple in the book of Acts, we see him become courageous and strong after he's been forgiven much by Jesus for his own betrayal. In the story from Matthew chapter 18, we see this laid out example of how easy it is for us to believe that grace should abound to us for our own sin, but that grace doesn't need to abound when others sin against us. And in the Matthew chapter 18 story, what we need to know is that God kind of gives two options. In the story of the wealthy landowner, it's do you want to have justice or do you want to have mercy? But you can't have one of each. We don't ask for mercy from God and only ask for justice when we've been wronged. If we want justice for the ways that we've been wronged, then we will also receive justice for the way that we have wronged others and the way that we have wronged God. If we receive mercy from God for the true depths of our sin, then it will lead us to move toward mercy for others. 
And so when we ask the question, what does it mean for me? I know that the topic of forgiveness can be a really challenging one, especially if you've been abused, if you have been really uh, violently mistreated in your life, if you've been betrayed, which truly is the deepest emotional wound. When we have these experiences, it feels like it is impossible to forgive. And what I want you to know, friends, is that forgiveness does not mean restoration of a relationship. If someone hurts you repeatedly over and over again, it does not mean that you should put yourself in a place to be hurt again and again. But what God does call us to is forgiveness. God calls us to forgiveness because it is good for our souls. Because when we are not forgiven, we are bound up. And when we are bound up, we are not receiving the mercy of God for ourselves. We're not receiving the love of God for our deep debt. So if this is a place that you're struggling today, and as you ask yourself the question, what would it look like for me to live with a heart of mercy? I would invite you to ask the question, is there any places of unforgiveness in your heart? Is there any places of hurt that you are harboring in your heart? And can you bring those to the Lord? Can you lay them before him? Can you ask God to help you want to forgive? Can you ask God to illuminate the ways that he has been merciful to you? Because I don't know about you, friends, but I know that at the end of my life, I want to be able to look back and say, I want to be the one who loved much. And I want to be the one who knew how to forgive. And I hope and I want to invite you to consider the same. So go to the Lord today. Ask him to search your heart, to look for those places where there may be resentment or unforgiveness related to hurt. And then ask the question, do you want to live with your father who is merciful or do you want to live with your father who is just? And I know for me, when it comes to the idea of being living into and justifying myself, I have no justification. I do wrong. I am wrong. I think wrong. I act wrong. I acted wrong yesterday. I act wrong today. I'm going to act wrong tomorrow. And I need the mercy of God poured out in my life. And for that reason, I desire to turn my will toward the act of forgiveness, not just one time, but over and over again, to be able to ask God again and again to give me a heart of forgiveness, a heart of mercy, and a heart of love, even for those who have wronged me. Go in peace, everyone. We'll talk next week. Thanks for listening to How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice a production of lifeaudio.com and the Salem Web Network. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey, and edited by Stephen Sanders. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help people find us. To learn more about Nicole, you can check out her website at nicoleunis.com. Her book on how to study the Bible is called help my bible is alive and you can find a link to that plus a link to nicole's site in today's show notes hello my name is adam comer and i'm ryan chittister and we're the host of life after addiction podcast if you or someone you love struggles with addiction check us out life after addiction podcast and you can subscribe at lifeaudio.com